Sex Communication, a podcast that explores how we communicate during sex and about sex, with explicit recordings and uninhibited conversation. My name is Brianne McGuire, founder of Graphic Paint and host of this uncensored adventure. Join me each week as I share crowdsourced audio files and interview a wide range of people about their private activities. The mission of this series is to change attitudes towards sex simply by changing the way it's communicated, one episode at a time. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello there. Welcome to episode 19. Today you're about to hear an interview that I did with someone known as Blue Topaz, or Blue as I refer to her throughout the recording, just because it's shorter and easier. Um... She was introduced to me through a mutual friend. Actually, she was introduced to me via the Brit, uh, who you may remember from previous episodes. So she's another friend from across the pond. Um, And Blue engages in a lot of different, uh, perhaps more unusual types of kinky fetish play. Um, She is involved with rope play, wax play, needle play, and also fire play, which prior to... Um, having this conversation with her that you're about to hear, I had no idea what the hell that was. Um, but you will find out if you listen, so stay tuned for that. Um, but the other bulk of what we talk about is, um, kind of making the distinction between sex and kink, which there's not always a distinction between that. And even, uh, for Blue, there's not always that distinction, but she made it very clear right off the bat before we had even spoken Um, that she is sexually monogamous with her fiancé. Her fiancé also happens to be in the kink scene, so they are both lucky to have found each other. Um, But she still plays with um, the other fetishes that I mentioned. She plays with other people, uh, but it's not sexual when she does. So we talk about those boundaries, um, you know, how she and her fiancé play with other people, how they play with each other, how they came up with uh, their agreements and their boundaries, and just basically how sex and kink um, function in their lives and relationships. So it's really interesting, and it's a deeper look into the kink and fetish world that you may have not heard or thought about before. Um, So it's really interesting. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, we're all more alike than we think. And whether these are things that you have experience with or that you've thought about, um, you know, we all have these things in common. We're really not that different. So it's really nice to hear a very um, human perspective of this. Not that it would be inhuman in any circumstance. I can't imagine that. Um, But it just, it kind of, it just normalizes it, I think, for um, people that may think this is something so outlandish, you know, like I would never do that. Well, you may reconsider after you hear this. Um, You know, the the great thing about people in the kink and fetish scene is how kind and respectful they are. Um, And they really make it easy for people who are new and maybe just curious uh, to, you know, dip their toes into it and just give things a shot. You never know. Um, So hopefully you come out of this with a greater understanding of the scene. Um, Maybe it gives you some new ideas of things to try. And either way, I think it's just a great, fascinating conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, good morning. It's morning on your side of the world as well, right? Absolutely. It's 11 a.m. here. Okay. 7 a.m. over here. (laughs) 
oh wow that's early <laughs> well it could be six but uh i understand i didn't realize until a couple weeks ago um through our mutual friend that you guys go through daylight savings time at a different time than we do so oh i kind of didn't like that <laughs> normally this would be a five hour difference so this is this is better for me um <laughs> <laughs> it's good um but but thank you for agreeing to talk with me and for taking some time out to have this conversation um so i wanted to talk to you about kink um you um we were introduced through a, a mutual friend uh someone who has a lot of varied interests and um so it seems like there are a lot of things that you're interested in that um Maybe you're not like the typical fetishes most people might think of. Um, so I, I did want to ask you first, because I know when we when I had first reached out to you, you were you were adamant about making it clear that um, you know you're engaged and you're like sexually monogamous with your fiance, but you engage in this fetish play with other people. But you made this distinction between the fetish play and sex. So I did want to first just ask you about about how that plays out in your world and has that always been the case in your relationships where you keep your kink play and your sex interests like separate or is this kind of a new development so um for me i came into the kink scene probably about 10 years ago um and i dabbled a bit with kink and uh, had a couple of, of kinky sexual partners as well. But then I got into a relationship with uh, Vanilla, sorry, which is what we call people who are not into kink. Right. And so I kind of left the scene. When I came back, because that relationship didn't work out, because at the end of the day, we all have different sex drives, we all have different needs, and he just wasn't meeting mine, um, I vowed that I would never have another Vanilla relationship. Um, and I was very lucky because I kind of hit the lottery and I met my fiance on scene. So we already were both into kink um, before we got together. Right. Um, but for both of us, when we got together, it was very much a case of I am with you and and I will only have sex with you, but I am going to play with other people. And it took a long time for us to set those boundaries as to what was acceptable play with other people and, and how comfortable we were. And we had sort of our own little signs or language that if one of us was doing something with somebody else that we weren't comfortable with, that we would say that word or make that sign. And so we would change what we were doing. But, you know, we've been together for over four years now and we kind of know our boundaries and who we're comfortable with. We have regular play partners um, as well as sometimes uh, introducing new people onto the scene. So for us, that has always been very much part of our relationship. Um, the, we have kinky sex with each other. We call it kinky fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as well as having vanilla sex, we'll have kinky sex and then we'll have kink. Um, but with other people, it's purely kink. And I love kink for what it is. I love my fetishes for what they are. And I enjoy you know, my needle play, my wax play, a fire play, I absolutely love. But for me, there isn't a sexual element of it. You know, if you say to an artist, you know, do you get turned on while you paint? Yeah. I mean, some of them might, <laughs> <laughs> but, but not everybody will. 
And I think the problem is that people automatically see kink and think, oh, they must, you know, hit each other and, and have sex. Right. And, and that's not necessarily the case, the case because I love hitting my play partner, Cece, and we have a really good time together. We giggle, we have fun, and but there's no sex at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes people don't understand that distinction. I understand. Uh, that makes- yeah, and I think the thing is as well, it, it's – because for some people, they live the lifestyle 24-7. Right. So uh, Rusty and I, that's my fiancé, we have a vanilla life and then we have our kink side as well, whereas there are some high-protocol couples who will live the lifestyle 24-7. Um, we have a, a, a married couple who are friends who um, she will have to ask permission to light a cigarette, to have a drink, to because they're very high-protocol. Right. But, um, and I, you know, and, and their kink is constant, but it just doesn't always fit into everyday life, unfortunately. Understood. So, um, so in the beginning with your relationship with your fiance, as you were kind of navigating how you were going to define the boundaries that are in place now, I mean, are there, are there times even now that, um, I mean, do you ever engage in kink? with other people together or is that work kind of done like each on their own separate time and terms? Um, so it depends on what we're doing. We, um, so Rusty is a rigger Hmm. and, uh, that means he likes to tie people up and that could be, um, pretty rope shibari. It could be suspending people. It could be, um, tying people to something. So there are all kinds of different rope play. Um, and I'm not a rigger. I can do a basic, what we call single column tie, which is literally where you can tie a wrist to something because that's all I need to be able to do to tie somebody to something to be able to hit them. <laughs> Whereas he likes to do the pretty stuff. So he does that on his own. But um, we both love fire play and we've learned that together. We we went on holiday to New York and we went to a kink club while we were there. Yeah. Um, and one of the great things about going there was that we saw fire play and we'd only ever seen it once before in England and it had been done in quite a sadistic way. Whereas when we went to this club in New York, it was very sensual and and, and almost like a massage. And we were like, that's amazing. We want to learn that. So we spoke to the guy that had been doing it and we found a couple in England who had learned how to do this style of fire play as well and learned together. So now Whenever we go to our favourite kink club, we usually have a good four or five people who book in to have fire play, and we will do that together. We will both top the fire play on other people. So the, I'm glad you brought up the fire play. Can you describe that in a bit more detail for people that is? I honestly, before reading your profile and kind of um, you know looking at the the list of things that that you're into, I hadn't really. Um, heard much about it i i don't know anybody personally that's that's into it so can you just describe what's involved yes of course i mean it's funny because um as soon as you say fire play some of the most like sadistic kinksters will go oh my god no you're going to set me on fire (laughs) and uh, (laughs) which is quite funny because actually it's a really pleasant experience have you ever had a hot stones massage i have yes yeah yeah. So the feeling of um, what we call the wand part of fire play is very much like that. So we have um, what we call fire wands, which are kind of batons with Kevlar on the end. 
and we have uh, we we dip those into a solution of um, IPA, not the beer, and uh, mixed with water, and we set them alight, and then we will glide them over the skin of the person who is being our firefly, as we call them. Yeah. So we start by hovering just above the skin to make sure the skin is warmed, uh-huh. and then we will, um, like I say, glide the wand along the person's skin. So that's kind of stage one. The next stage of what we do is called fleshing. So we will actually run um, a a line of the IPA along the person's skin and then set that alight for a couple of seconds Um, and then obviously put it out. We don't just leave them alight because we don't want to toast people. Right. Um, And then the next level, um, you actually get some hair mousse because the gases in the mousse are flammable Mm. and you can make a picture either on someone's back or all the way up their legs and, and down their back. And we set the mousse on fire. And it's a great feeling because the flame actually runs all the way along the mousse. So you have this flame running along the top of you all over the mousse. And it kind of almost tickles. It's It can be quite intense because as the flame meets sort of another line of mousse, it will separate. So then you'll have two flames running across you. Mm. And it looks amazing. <laughs> um, there are some videos on either Rusty's profile or my profile so that you can see the moose alight, and it is quite an impressive sight. And then the last stage, which we've recently learned, is called fireballing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this one looks really impressive. <laughs> so basically, you have your uh, IPA mix in a bottle with a lighter, and you literally will spray the IPA and light it as it sprays, so you do get a ball of flame over the top of the person that you, that's your firefly. And again, it looks really impressive and, and it makes a bit of a boom noise because it's sucking all the oxygen out of the air. And that's really quite hot. Um, <laughs> but people love it. You know, when when they first come along to try it, they're like, oh, no, it's really scary. You're going to set me on fire. And then they try it for the first time and they're like, this is amazing. My bones are all melty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a great feeling to to watch that person go from sort of being really nervous <laughs> to actually being quite floaty hmm. and so um, one of it... the things that you can get in kink is called subspace yeah and it's a bit like um somebody going into a deep state of meditation right so it's almost that nirvana um and that can be attained through being hit through being suspended through fire play through needles and and basically your sub is completely floaty. Sometimes they can't even talk. That all their body's gone all sort of wibbly wobbly, and they can't really stand because they're just in such an, a good state of of like I say nirvana. And it's it's so lovely to watch people's faces when they get like that. Hmm. And so with the the fire play though, it all of this is just like the fire is is um confined to the chemicals like it's not actually burning the skin it's just burning on top of the skin is that the case absolutely so when we lay the flame on you on the wand then yes the skin is on the flame is on the skin sorry but we never leave it alight for more than a couple of seconds so um because we don't want to burn people so is is there any scarring that happens no, absolutely not. The worst thing that we've ever had happen um, is a blister. Mm. And so what we always do at the end of the session 
is we put a cool towel of cold water onto the person's back, or the, usually we do their back, so it might be their back and their legs, to bring the heat out of the skin. Mm. So we always say to them, you know, treat it like you would a slight sunburn. Have a cold shower. If you need to, run, rub some aloe vera or some after sun on it. Drink lots of water because we've just taken all of the uh, moisture out of your skin. Yeah. So with every kink, there are always safety concerns. I mean, with fire, of course, you don't want to set anyone on fire properly. You don't want to burn them. You don't want to set the room on fire. So whatever kink you're you're choosing to partake in, you need to learn those safety features first. Right. Um, so say it's all you know, it's all very well going right. I'm going to tie this person up, but actually, if you tie them in the wrong place, you can cause permanent nerve damage. Right. So you need to know what you're doing before you do something that makes a mistake that could hurt somebody. So um, I know from your profile too, you kind of identify as a, as a switch. So when you're doing the, I mean, are, does that role change for you depending on the fetish or does it depend on the person? Like how, like what for you sets that, that distinction? What, what affects that? Uh, it's totally to do with the person. Um, and there are very few people I trust to top me. I think I've become increasingly more of a dom as the time has gone on, which is which is ironic because I came onto the scene as a sub um, and then sort of tr- started to experiment. And then I was like, oh, actually, no, I like being in charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are a couple of people who I will sub for, um, but it is only generally for those people and it will be for certain activities. So I do enjoy sensation play, wax, um, some impact play, but I am a bit of a wimp and I can't, can't <laughs> take a lot of pain. <laughs> Happy to dish it out, but uh, <laughs> not very good at taking it. Um, but I will never hit somebody or do anything to anybody else that I haven't done to myself. Right. So, and, and I think that's a really important rule for all doms. So if, because if I hit somebody with something, I need to know, is it going to be a stingy feeling? Is it going to be a thuddy feeling? Does that linger quite a long time? Do I need to go quite hard with it? Or is it really quite a firm implement that I only need to do very lightly? And it's not until I've done that to myself and know the effect of either that that toy or or that thing that I'm doing that I can know what my sub's going to feel when I hit them with something or when I do that thing to them. So I've had needles done to myself I've had fire play done I've had wax done all of the things I'll do to somebody else I already know what they feel like right so with your fiance are you a a sub or a dom with your fiance so I'm mainly a dom but I will sub for him occasionally and that tends to be in a more of a sexual way and um so and has your your fiance been in the scene about as long as you or yeah, so when I came back on scene after my vanilla relationship broke up, um, which is obviously about five years ago, he came on scene at the same time. Um, and we met each other at um, an event called the London Fetish Fair, which unfortunately doesn't happen anymore. Um, we went with some mutual friends. And while we were there, we started chatting and then we did a scene together um, one of my friends actually dropped me in it and was like, oh, Rusty, Blue would like to be tied up. And I was like, 
hang on a minute. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was dangling from the ceiling. So, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was certainly an experience. It was my first suspension as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for anyone that wants to try anything or to learn anything, there is so much around. And, and it's not just about coming and being hit, hit to within an inch of your life that, because that's that's not what kink is. Yeah. It's about finding what you love, what your fetish is. And it's, you know, there are a million things out there to try. And as you said from my profile, it, there's things you would never even think of as being a fetish. So I would always encourage people, you know, find your local scene, go to a munch, do some research online, join Fet Life and talk to people because we're perfectly normal everyday human beings. You know, the woman who served you in your local shop may well like being a puppy at the weekend and have no idea <laughs> so how did you like how did you get on the scene like what prompted it how did you know this was something you were interested in like how how did it all start for you so I um I quite like reading a lot erotic literature um and there's some great stuff out there 50 shades of gray is not great just so people are aware <laughs> um, but you know if that it opens you up to the idea and brings you on scene Fair enough. Just be aware that the kink in the films is not safe and please don't copy it. <laughs> so um, I read this book and in the book there was some BDSM and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I have a, a friend who um, has been on the scene for a long time and I wasn't aware of this. And I went around to her house and kind of like, you know, when you drop into conversation, I was reading this book. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, I'm into that. And I was like, oh, you know, because she, again, she is just somebody that you would never expect. She's very sort of mumsy. She looks after her friends. She's just, you know, somebody, she bakes amazing cakes. Somebody you would never expect to be on scene. And so she took me along to my first munch where I sat in the corner looking terrified <laughs> and introduced me to a few people. And then I went to my first club event in London, which was a club called Subversion. And again, I sat in the corner looking terrified, <laughs> a bit like a rabbit caught in the headlights, apparently. <laughs> um, and that was it. I was on scene and I liked it. Yeah. So, and just to, to clarify for people, because I, I myself didn't know until, you know, I kind of got more involved, but like a munch is, is a non-sexual kind of get together for people on the scene to just connect in a more like, you know, everyday life kind of way, instead of making it about doing scenes or anything sexual or kinky in that time. Like it's Absolutely. Very yes. So we, I co-host a munch. Yeah. And um, we, we meet in a local cafe that serves coffee and cake because they're two of the greatest things in the world. <laughs> and we have a little section at the back so people can come along. It's it's very gentle. It's just an introduction to meet people, to talk about what you're into, to ask questions and just... It, the kink world is all about knowing people and meeting people. You know, you can't expect to walk into a club and go, right, bitch, get on my knees and suck <laughs> my dog. Right. Because... You know, everyone's going to turn around and A, laugh at you and tell you to bugger off. <laughs> because that's, you know, you can't do that. You wouldn't do that in the middle of a normal club. So why do you think you can come onto the kink world? Just because, you know, you look at kinky girls and think they're, 
they're sexy and they're easy doesn't mean that they're going to do anything for you. You have to work to get to know people. And, and yeah, we laugh at those people, call them Uber doms and send them on their way. <laughs> um, so it's all about getting to know people, making friends, getting to learn who's safe. Because unfortunately, as with every part of the world, in the kink world, there are some people who are arseholes and who will hurt you and not play properly. Right. Um, so it's about learning, you know, who's safe to play with, the right way of playing, um, finding out about safe words and consent and RAC, which stands for risk aware, safe kink, mm. because the last thing we want is for somebody to get injured doing something that they, sh- you know, that there shouldn't be any harm in. Um, and it's just a, a place where you can come and be yourself where no one will judge you. You know, no one will. If you go, oh, I'm really into people weeing on me, we'll go, okay, fair enough. It's not my kink, but if it's yours, all well and good. Yeah. It's, it's very accepting. One of the things that I love most about the scene and that I always feel is it's it's very freeing, which is kind of ironic, because you walk on scene and you could be, you know, a, a five-foot size eight tiny girl wearing a black leather catsuit, or you could be a six-foot four size 18 bloke in the same outfit, and everyone will go, oh, yeah, you're right. There's no judgment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you when you engage in, in kink play, are you, I mean, do you do this, like, um, in each other's homes, or do you do this primarily in clubs? Like, is that, is the location an issue for you? Because, I mean, I understand, like, anything, these are all about relationships and developing, you know, the boundaries and standards with a person and definitely a sense of trust um but i mean that this how, how does it like just practically speaking how do you carry out the the work that you do so there's uh, there's several ways of doing it so obviously i live with my fiance we have our house to ourselves because we don't have any children yet so we can pretty much do what we want where we want when we want um and we have invited people over before for kink parties so we will do um fire play or impact play or needle play here at home we also have a couple of clubs that we go to. Um, so there's a couple of clubs in Kent, and one of our favourite clubs is called O&I. Um, so rather than being a club that's completely dedicated to kink, it's a an, an event that's run at a nudist venue once or twice a month. So on that day, we know O&I is being held, so we'll go there, and it's an all-day event. Um, and which we quite like because a lot of kink events happen at night. Yeah. Um, so it's quite nice to have the one that's during the day. Um, and it's sort of every other Sunday. So we'll go to the club. There's um, a big kind of open hall where there's things like a, a cross that you can tie people to or a spanking bench or, you know, there's all kinds of equipment that you can use openly in a big public setting. Hmm. But there's also private rooms that you can book out so that if you don't want to do your kink in front of other people, you have a space that you can go and do it privately. Um, And there are, you know, huge numbers of clubs all all over the place. Um, There's lots in London, obviously. (laughs) And we've been up to a couple of different clubs. The thing is, we always revert back to our favourite one. (laughs) So... And there'll be, um, it's quite funny because our event takes place at a venue where they hold swingers nights and they have nudists and that kind of thing. 
you get a crossover of the different sections. And obviously the nudists, they just want to come, they want to take their clothes off, they want to sunbathe and they leave you alone. They sometimes watch things with a slightly confused look on their face, <laughs> but for the most part, they're quite sort of happy to just chill and watch. Swingers have their own different language. So swingers will bring their partner or if they're single, they'll come along and then obviously their their plan is to have sex. So they always look a bit confused as to why someone has an impact session that doesn't end in a, in a you know in full-blown sex. But again, they tend to be very open to discussion and, and they'll have a chat with us, although they are very confused why there's no sex. <laughs> And it's ironic because with the swinging world, if somebody comes up to you and they runs a finger, they run a finger down your leg. That means, am I okay to touch you? Can I play with you? Yeah. Now in the kink world, we have completely the opposite. Before you would even lay a finger on someone, you would ask your their consent to touch them, to play with them, to have anything to do with them. You would always speak to them first. So sometimes those boundaries get a little blurred. And we just have to say to the swingers, no, you, you can't touch without consent. That's it. I, I didn't realize there was that distinction. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. And of course, you know, people cross over from swinging to king come back again. Right. Um, it, it's just it, everybody's got their thing. Yeah. And, and as long as they're enjoying themselves and they're being safe, all well and good. So I, I know too from your profile, you also um, identify it as being bisexual. So uh, is that that applies to everything, um, or do you feel like that's just kind of taking into account like you know genders that you play with, or it's like genders that you you're involved with sexually, like in the past? As I know you're sexual. Yeah. So in the past, I have had some sexual experiences with women, but for me, it's about the person. So um, I, I as soon as I met Rusty, I knew that he was the person I wanted to be with. And for us, cheating is cheating, whether it's with another girl or or another boy. It's it's still being unfaithful. Whereas for other couples, I know that um, if they're bisexual, they may well have a more open relationship where they say, you know, the the female partner can have other female partners, but she can't go with another guy mm. and vice versa for the man. So it, it it's all about what works for different people. But for me, I know that I found the right person. So I'm happy. I don't feel the urge to go and play sexually with anybody else because I'm getting everything that I need at home. So just to go back with the the vanilla relationship that you had before. So I've kind of gone through this in my own life where as I've gone on, I've kind of realized how important it is for me to find um, a romantic partner that that shares kink interests in some way. Like we may not necessarily have to have the same aligned kink interests, but just like the the. Um, I guess the interest in the scene at least be aligned is opposed to being with somebody vanilla. Um, So, but when you had your vanilla relationship, was it something where like you would have considered marrying that person or it was always something that you kind of knew there was like a a limit to how um, like deeply you would get involved in the relationship because there wasn't that alignment of, of interests. So initially 
it didn't cause a problem because you're sort of in that first flush, aren't you, of, of romance. Yeah. But as the time went on, I was ju- there was just a part missing. And and it, I don't know, I think it, at first it felt almost kind of shallow that it was a, a, a sexual kink thing that was missing from the relationship. And I tried to get him interested in being more kinky but he just was not he was vanilla and that was that and at the end of the day that suited him and that's fair enough but it didn't work for me um and I won't consider going behind somebody's back because I don't think that's the right thing to do so I decided for my own sanity that I had to go because I was just so unhappy yeah so and um, while you were together, did you were you also still um, playing with other people, or you kind of put all of that on hold to be in the vanilla relationship? No, I put all of it on hold. I left scene. I didn't. I didn't play at all, um, and he just wasn't interested in even attempting it. Mm. And as, you know, as much as you can try and lead, sometimes people just just haven't got that in them. And that's fair enough. I didn't want to push him into something he wouldn't have liked either. Yeah. So um, I know you you say you could engage in the kink, you know, just in the bedroom as opposed to like a 24-7 lifestyle. But Mm. how does, I mean, especially given um, your involvement in munches, I mean, do you, are you the friends, the closest friends that you have in in your world? Are they people in the kink scene? Are they kind of a mix? Like, are you open about your interest in kink outside of the bedroom? Like, you know, does your family know? Do your friends that aren't involved in the scene know? Or it's like it you you kind of keep even the discussion of it to people that are also in the scene. So some of my closest friends are on scene. And I tend to, you know, be very open with them. And we have a lot of discussion about what we do because we go to events together and some of us play together. Um, In terms of my family, they're not aware at all. And that is something I would not be comfortable with in any way. Mm. We have some vanilla friends who are very open minded and they're aware of what we do but we also have some vanilla friends that would be horrified <laughs> so, so when we have it, it's quite funny trying to put all the different sections of, of people together so there are certain kink people who I trust in a vanilla setting to be sensible and to keep their mouth shut and to you know not sort of start running around screaming I love kink um <laughs> But there are also people that sometimes we've invited to vanilla events and then they've been slightly more outspoken than we're comfortable with. (laughs) (laughs) And we have to kind of go, look, our parents are here and we're not comfortable with them knowing these kind of things. Um, But most of the time, you know, people are fairly sensible. There is one of the biggest rules in kink is that you do not out somebody. Right. Because that's completely unfair and you may well ruin their world. I imagine it's a bit, I suppose it's a bit like um, when somebody decides to come out as being gay. Right. You know, they need to make that decision to do that in their own time and it would be wrong for you to out them. And, right. and the same for kink. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I imagine all of this is, is probably like very top of mind for you planning a wedding, right? Like who you're <laughs> considering <laughs> with the guest list, like who you can trust yeah. to be in the it's same what room. What I'm hoping is because obviously we're generally having more family to the day. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, quite a few kink people actually, but they're all kink people that we can trust to be sensible and reasonable. And then in the evening, Hopefully all the family will be drunk by then. So <laughs> if somebody walks in who's a little bit more outspoken, they won't notice anyway. It'll be fine. We've got quite a big wedding. <laughs> so there's going to be lots of people to hide behind if necessary. So in addition to the fire play, I know you mentioned the, the needle play. Can you talk about the needle play a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So again, needles are one of those things that fill people with terror. Um <laughs> So <laughs> if I, you know, you, you don't go for a blood test for fun, do you? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but people do have acupuncture. And um, so I, I would say more my needles are more that kind of line. With needles, because you're dabbling with, uh, with blood, you have to be incredibly careful and incredibly sterile. Um, and the lady who brought me onto scene is my mentor, and she's actually taught me everything that I know about needles. Um, and then I've kind of gone off and learned more, learned more as I've gone along. So with a with a needle session, before you start, you would sterilise yourself, your the person that you're playing. I call them my hedgehog. Um, so you sterilise yourself, you sterilise your hedgehog, you wear gloves. Now because I'm right-handed, I always double glove the left hand. And that's because as you're putting a needle in, there's more risk of you sticking yourself in the left hand, hmm. if, if that makes sense. Um, so you always buy medical grade needles, which are single use. They come in a sterile packet and um, you have also things like Savlon and IPA and all of that kind of stuff for safety. So what I would normally do is draw a pattern. So it could be something as simple as a flower. I've done a boat. I've done a cocktail glass before. Um, I've done a Christmas tree. So we, you draw a pattern and then you put the needles in at strategic points in that pattern. Now, with needles, you're not going straight down into the skin. You're going across the skin. Hmm. So have you ever at school taken a compass and kind of put it under the first layer of your skin of your top finger? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's almost a bit like that. You're going along rather than down. Um, and then you can wrap ribbon around the needles. And depending on how evil you're feeling, you can pull the needles, the, the ribbon really tight to make the needles kind of pull on the skin or not. Um, and you can decorate the area with feathers or with all kinds of exciting things. So it, it's it's almost quite artistic um as well you can't stay in with the needles you can't leave them in for a long period of time and so once you have made your pattern and you know the person's happy with it you would then remove the needle needles you would re-sterilize make sure there's no bleeding um and then what's really important as well is aftercare so once somebody has had a session of kink they need to be looked after because your body could go into a state of shock, you could be sort of, your emotional health can be affected. So what we do is we go and have a big cuddle. Sometimes we wrap a blanket around the sub. We have some sweeties to get some sugar back into their system. And that's a really important part of the process. 
It makes sense. So, I mean, the with the needle play specifically, so is it – because I was kind of surprised to see, like, how much, um, you know, kind of, like, aesthetic was involved with it. I, I didn't really expect – and I think I also thought needle play was also more, um, you know, like people doing suspension with hooks, but I'm – I would assume that's that's a, a totally different kink. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's well beyond me. That one. It looks really interesting. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't ventured down that road. <laughs> I do um, staples, hmm. which um, is a a medical grade staple. So if anyone's ever had a wound staple shot, what we do is we use those staples to say make a corset shape of ribbon. Yeah on somebody's back and that looks stunning it's so hot when you see a, um, somebody with a beautiful corset done down their back it looks really pretty and you can go all the way down the backs of the legs and the backs of the arms as well so but it's it's more of like the 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 person that's being needled like them getting into that subspace like you were describing so it's not necessarily a matter of like being subjected to pain because it sounds like the pain isn't so much a, a like a driving factor with this or is it? it yes and no it depends on the size of needles you use because um so for somebody that was uh, doing their first needle experience i would use very small needles hmm. whereas with curious creature who i've been doing needles with for a good couple of years i can use really quite thick long needles so they are painful mm-hmm. And she will space really quite quickly with them. She goes all giggly. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> and you, you get, are you all right? Mm. <laughs> uh, and so you, the thing is as well that you can make needles more painful. So as I said, you can tie the, the ribbon or the, the cording really tight around the needles and that will pull on them and pull on the skin. You can also, um, if you're feeling really mean, you can wipe IPA on the ends so that as you pull them back through, that will sting yeah. as well as sterilizing. You can wiggle them and ping them as you pull them out. So yeah. that will create like a flick effect. So it depends on the person you're playing with, how much pain they want. And the IPA... You they can always make something more painful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the IPA that you mentioned that you use also for the fireplace. So what is it exactly? Is it like an alcohol-based solution that just has like a high burn sterilizing? Mm, so it's isopropyl alcohol. Um, and we have like a, a kind of barrel or a drum of it in, in our shed. I really hope our shed never sets on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and we just will uh, sterilize a bottle put the IPA in the bottle and then take it to wherever we need it to be. And it's, you know, it's a sterilizing agent. It's what we use in our fire play. I, I use it in a needle play a lot. So it's really quite a useful tool for kink that people wouldn't think that, that it's used for that. And I love finding, you know, things that people wouldn't expect to be used in kink to be to be just everyday household stuff, you know. Yeah. A good chopping board is a fantastic paddle. Hmm. Um, <laughs> a wire brush is really good for sensation play. Um, you know, the brushes that you use to scrub barbecues, yeah, just yeah. not too hard because you'll make people bleed. <laughs> um, you know, a, a pair of knives can be a really good sensation tool for edge play. Um, I even know somebody that has a, um, a grooming brush for horses. And that's really good for sensation play as well. And again, you can drag that quite hard over the skin. 
um, bottle caps on a ping pong pa- um, a ping pong bat makes a really good paddle. Everyday toys are, are there all, all around us, and it's quite fun being able to come up with you know an alternative use for something. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, are there kinks that um, you only do with your fiance? Um, not really, to be honest, most of our kinks we share with the, we share with the world because in terms of say the fire play, we will only do fire play on our front. So like he'll only do fire play on, on my front and I'll only overdo it on his front because we know that that makes us both really horny. And so it wouldn't be right for us to do it on somebody else. Um, but we'll do fire play on everyone else's back legs and bums quite happily. Yeah. So it's just about sort of um, tailoring it to fit what works for us. It's interesting. So are there things, I mean, I, I guess I'm also curious too, like, because um, it, it just, and it sounds like you're you're just so lucky to have found a partner that, you know, that you want to be with and that you can share these things with. That's, like, you know, not everyone gets to, oh, to have it. I'd like to say we know we hit the lottery of the kink scene by yeah. finding each other. And it's it's funny how kink kind of starts pervading your world. So um, one of the things that Rusty does is he actually makes whips hmm. for the kink scene yeah. and, and he sells them. So at one point, my dining room had turned into a kink craft area. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you can see... Um, examples of his work on his profile which is underscore uh, sorry dash rusty dash yeah and he you know he will do like bespoke whips for people so he's made a superman whip and a joker whip and a neon colored whip and it's really cool that something like that which um is his love has become a hobby as well yeah do you see what i mean yeah yeah so i find random bits of cord and whip and stuff randomly lying around the house <laughs> so when it when it comes to exploring new things um i mean do you feel like the odds are higher that it's something that you guys would kind of discover just together because of the level of intimacy that you have or do you think it's more likely it's something you might discover just from being at a club or at an event and and witnessing something like how how is your interest evolving? Like how how does that come about? So we I think when you have a kink relationship, um, you have to be incredibly open, and and more so than you would be early on than you um, than in a vanilla relationship because very early on in kink you have to completely surrender control. You give somebody your full trust. You have to sort of talk about any triggers that you may have or any kind of issues that you may have with anything because you have to be safe in kink. And, you know, if you find out somebody's got, I don't know, a mental health problem, you need to know that if you do a certain impact scene with them in a certain way, that could be a trigger. So very early on, you're being incredibly open and making yourself very vulnerable by going, this is all of me. Whereas obviously in a vanilla relationship, those things tend to come out a little slower. And so when we find things that we like, so it may be that we see something in a book or a club or 
um, we hear about something. So uh, Rusty has a kink kick group. Oh, that's quite hard to say, isn't it? A kink kink <laughs> kick group that <laughs> um, he uh, is an admin for. And so they sort of help new people on the scene as well. It's another way in. And if people have questions or suggestions or share pictures, he might go, oh, look at this. Or I might say, oh, I saw this at a club. And so if we're going to try something new, we'll generally try it together first. Hmm. So like, say, the fire we saw when we were in New York, we tried that together first. We learned that together first. And then if we, you know, if, if I said, oh, that doesn't work for me, but he enjoys it, then he would go off and learn more about it or vice versa. Right. So is there anything on the horizon that you, we haven't already discussed that you guys have have developed a beginner interest in? Is there anything, you know, arising your curiosity? <laughs> well, it's more of a kind of development more than anything else. We're uh, looking at investing in a pair of fire floggers. Hmm. So obviously you have floggers are um, a, a kind of implement with lots of tails hanging down. So sometimes made of like soft leather or suede or something like that. And when you hit them, you, the, the flogger fall so that you get hit by all the ends of those different lengths of, of leather. And floggers can be quite a gentle introduction into impact play. Mm. Now, what we want to do is get those floggers, but made of Kevlar so that you can set them on fire right. and then hit people with them. So that's the, uh, that's the next step down the road, I think. And if you but, they'd uh, be on fire and then you would hit the person with them while they're on fire. Yeah. All right. And again, that wouldn't Sounds like leave a mark <laughs> on the person. It would just be like that momentary impact of like intense heat. I'm assuming. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So have, and you've experienced that, or you've just kind of seen this? We've just seen it. So the thing with um, really good quality kink materials is they tend to be quite expensive. Right. Yeah. So uh, a pair of fire floggers is going to cost us a good um, hundred pounds or so probably more and it's a case of uh we're trying to save for a wedding so right, <laughs> we'll have yeah. to go on the back burner for the moment um and we've seen people do it it looks like you know the right kind of direction for us it looks really good fun so i definitely want to have a go at that so do you think that you guys would buy it though without having like experienced it at a club i mean is it possible to do or it is the kind of thing where you have to invest in it in order to experience it it's not like like they're available for use at, at a, one of the events. That you no, they're, they're quite specialist equipment. Um, but we've got some friends that have got a set who will probably let us um, just feel what they feel like right. before we buy them, which I'm guessing is what we'll probably do. They're the friends that sort of taught us our fire techniques that we know at the moment. And um, just to get a feel of sort of the weight of them and – you know, how, how they work, because obviously I don't want to set someone's hair on fire because that, <laughs> that never ends well, uh, particularly if they decide to put hairspray in that day. Oh, I can imagine. Mm. <laughs> never, ever put hairspray in if you're doing fire play. That is my tip of the day. <laughs> how many times have you seen someone's hair catch on fire? Have you not witnessed that? Uh, only twice. We're oh, very twice. people. We, like, so I, I'm usually quite nice to people and I'm like just, just you know relax everything's gonna be fine and then in like my Batman voice and I'm like but keep your head down 
<laughs> so we always say to people, like, you must keep your head down because if you put your head back, right. your hair is going to set on fire. <laughs> and so far it has only happened twice. But we have our wet towel in, in the room. Right. So we make sure that straight away, you know, that any anything like that gets put out. And most of the time, people are really good. As soon as we're like, you must keep your head down. If you don't keep your head down, your hair will set on fire. I would <laughs> and usually like, oh, you know, I like my hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd keep my head down. So <laughs> I'm curious, do you have, um, I assume in, in England, you do registries for weddings as well. Yes, or or is that not a common yes. thing? Uh, so we, uh, oh, like you mean like a uh, gift list? Yes. Yeah. So yes, do you, we do. We do do. Do you have a, a a separate kink registry for your wedding? <laughs> no, we don't. But that's a great idea. <laughs> you should. No, totally put my fireworks on there. I know. I'm like, this seems like the perfect opportunity for somebody to like treat you guys for your wedding. I'm so, I could just imagine what I'm so. What did so and so get you for your wedding? And I'll be like, uh. <laughs> A vase? <laughs> <Right>. Candlesticks. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, but, um, no, I, <laughs> I think that sometimes it's just too difficult. It's it's quite funny because at Chris, place, things like Christmas and birthdays, you know, if, we, if we're giving gifts, they may well I'll be like, a vanilla gift that you can open in front of everybody, <laughs> and then we have a separate gift that you can open later. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well this has been fascinating is there anything that you wanted to talk about or or touch on i mean because I, I i i think i've asked all of the questions that i had I, i've really i've learned a lot i appreciate you discussing all of these things so openly but is there anything you you want to oh. touch on um well as i say you know I, I think that people think that kinksters are scary people who wear rubber and latex <laughs> all the time and are evil and walk around smacking a paddle on their leg with a whip wrapped around their shoulder and you know we are just genuinely nice normal people who just like a little bit of extra fun yeah. so i think just please please come along you know if you're interested join fet life and, and come along to a munch and talk to people please don't um sort of try and learn things on your own because we, i really wouldn't want you to hurt yourself yeah. and there are risks attached with kink you need to make sure you're with safe safe players because at the end of the day regardless of whether you have somebody's consent if you hit them that's still assault and i think the same in in the usa as well as the uk so you know you need to know what you're doing um but kink is fun you know you you, you you don't need to be serious because you should be enjoying yourself. It's, yeah. You know, when when we're having sex, I love giggling with my fiancé about this because <laughs> sex is stupid and wonderful and amazing. You should be having fun in the bedroom. You should be giggling. And then when you throw some kink in there as well, there's even more greatness that can uh, that can come uh, come from it. So just try experimenting. Try something a bit different. And you never know. You might find something that you love. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a great point to make too about kind of like the approachability of it. And I am, I'm constantly amazed by um, like how respectful and communicative people that are in the scene, how much more comfortable they are, you know, just, and just with the level of respect that they have in approaching people and discussing things and introducing things as opposed to like people that I've engaged with in a very vanilla basis. Like mm. I just, it, it kind of just blows my mind. And especially like my experience with, 
with FetLife. Like there are other um, sites and apps and things like that. And mm. they, they kind of can go in a, in a different direction. You know, like I think people abusing them for the wrong reasons, but like people who are genuinely in this scene, like I, I just, I'm just always impressed and, and, you know, blown away with like how kind and respectful people are. And it really, it's, it's so counter to how, um, I, I feel like oh, absolutely. people engage no, in sexually otherwise. At a normal nightclub, a guy will think of nothing of coming and rubbing his erection up against yeah. my ass. By the way, that's not consensual. I don't like it. Don't do it. Right. Okay? You know, when I go into a kink club, I feel so safe yeah. because I know that nobody would dare lay a finger on me without asking first. Yeah. And, it, and it's just such a great feeling of feeling safe and free to be who you are. Yeah, it's a good thing. All right. Well, thank you, Blue. I really, I, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you. You're very welcome. And thank you for, uh, you know, inviting me along. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess that, that's Take it. Care. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You too. Okay. All right. That's it for this week. I don't know about you, but I'm really on board with the kink registry idea for everyone, not just those getting married. Um, Maybe that's just because I really want one now that I've had that genius idea. Um, But yeah, kink registries for all. Till next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Did you like it? I hope so. If you did, please subscribe. If you'd like to know more about this episode or how you can be a part of the podcast, Visit graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast for details. You'll also find additional episodes, background on this project, contact information, and tips for submitting your own audio files. I'm looking for more people to interview, homemade recordings of sexual activity, and audio production assistance. If any of this interests you, please reach out. It's my goal with this podcast to bring some filth to your ears, change the conversations around sex, change some perspectives, and maybe even change the world. I hope you'll join me. So